Welcome back to True North Talk, episode 10. This is season two, by the way, I forgot to say that, with your favorite hosts, Peter Burnett and Joseph Staten. And this episode, Peter, we've had in the works for quite a long time, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we definitely have. It's It's been a good solid few months going on with this one. I think we're going to kind of go down a little bit of a road with this one. I think we'll also save it for maybe diving into in a different fashion at another date, potentially if we have have a guest on. Um, who's maybe specifically well versed in this area, but yeah, we we've definitely been kind of kind of formulating this episode for a while, and we both saw a movie recently that dove that delved into this area, and so we're kind of gonna. I, I like to say kind of before this episode, but when we were kind of talking about what we're gonna do, this will almost be a little bit like a movie review, but obviously we are going to incorporate a lot of faith, a lot of real world applications with this, and overall. Um, just kind of giving our thoughts on the topic and Joe, if you kind of want to introduce that unless you want, wanted me to kind of add anything. Yeah. So the topic of the reality of spiritual warfare and, and really just demons and we had in the title and the, and the, the subject planner, I guess you could say, uh, witchcraft as well, which, you know, we could definitely save that topic for down the road. Um, I don't think we're really going to touch with witchcraft too much in this episode. Maybe we will. I don't know. The conversation might go there, but mostly the um, reality of, of demons and spiritual warfare. And this is something we've, we had planned actually. And I don't know if it was like a subconscious thing for me. Cause I, I've been wanting to see this movie for a while, but maybe because subconsciously I was already thinking about the episode. I was like, yeah, I really want to watch nefarious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the movie that we both watched, Peter watched it last night, right? Yep, last correct, night? Correct. Okay. And I watched it probably, th- well, it's been a, been a few ago, weeks, a maybe few weeks, three yeah. weeks. Okay. Yeah, maybe th- three weeks or a month ago or something like that. But um, the movie, <clears throat> Nefarious, is actually a very popular movie this year. It kind of popped off. I think I, I, actually last year. Excuse me on that. But within the last year or so. Okay. 2023 came out this year. So it's pretty popular. Um, you can watch it on Amazon prime right now. You can run it for like three 99, I think. Um, but the movie is about, I'm just going to read a short summary here on the day of his scheduled execution, a convicted serial killer gets a psychiatric evaluation during which he claims he is a demon and further claims that before their time is over, the psychiatrist will commit three murders of his own. So, Peter, you just freshly watched this movie. Um, do you want to give a little bit of background on, like, just that story of, like, the psychiatrist going in there to talk to uh, the prisoner? Like, what the the background on that story was? Yeah, so there had been, I'm not sure the number of how many previous, I just know especially the Dr. Fisher had been in there previously, and basically the demon that was inside of Edward Wayne Brady, who was convicted of six murders, um, the demon that was inside of him convinced Dr. Fisher to commit suicide after interviewing Edward, and so that was why they, they turned to the psychiatrist, Dr. James Martin, and he was, was sent in to evaluate uh, Edward Edward Wayne Brady, and his his role in this was to basically to determine whether it was some sort of insanity or dissociative identity disorder um, or to determine whether he was in his right mind and was deserving of death and ultimately death by electrocution. 
Yeah. And so that's that's kind of the background, and I'm sure we'll get more into the the process of the movie as we as we go along. Well, also too, just just for the audience to like to kind of picture this like thirty thousand foot view. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I forget the the president's name, Edward, right? Yeah, Edward. Yeah. So so Edward was he's like probably like sixty maybe in the movie, um, and James, the psychiatrist, is about. I would say in his thirties. Right. And his character is kind of like a young, really smart. He probably, he's probably like a left leaning, maybe liberal type of guy. He's an atheist. Um, you know, he does, he's like a very intelligent guy, but in the movie you can tell he's not a man of faith. Um, he walks in there to this questioning area. And also the reason he's in, he's evaluating the prisoner is because in order to be executed, he's on death row. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's been on death row for a while, but he has not been able to pass a psychiatric evaluation saying he's sane, which is what he needs in order to be executed. So we, the movie has like the prison warden and he's kind of pressuring James to like pass him, right? To give him a, a go, like he's a normal person right. just so they can kill him because I, I think the, the warden's kind of tired of him or maybe pressure from the outside because of family, you know, the, the families of the murdered victims yeah. want justice for him to be one murdered. One brief scene shows protesters as Dr. Martin is being driven up to the entrance of the prison. Yeah. So there's a lot of like social pressure for James to pass him. But as the movie progresses, um, you know, he first sits down with Edward and he's like, you know, Edward in some form or, form or fashion, tells James like I'm a demon that's what he says you know and James kind of looks at him like he's crazy right <laughs> right he's like yeah okay right. <laughs> and a striking part in the movie um you can maybe put your give your thoughts on this Peter but like mm-hmm. is when early on in their conversation he's doing the evaluation and James Dr. Martin he's like trying to get him to answer a question and then Edward's like I'll make you a deal like I'll answer this question for you if you give me if you give me permission. Him right. speaking as the demon to enter your body, and James is like, "Okay, fine, go ahead." And he kind of sits back, yeah, right. Like he's like, "Okay, you're crazy, man. You're not a demon." He sits back, he's like, "All right, go ahead. You, you have full permission." And nothing happens, of course, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What happened? I thought you were a demon." He's like, "You don't understand, James." He's like. This is a this is a process, hmm. and that's kind of foreshadowing a pretty crazy moment at the end of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, I don't. Am I missing anything up to this point, Peter? Or is is there anything I um, up to that add point, in there? Up to that point, I think you have have it pretty well summarized. And yeah, just this this idea. I I think I'm not sure if if at this point the demon had said actually because I think he might have introduced with this. He said by the time you leave this you know, this cell, this kind of like meeting, meeting cell, you will have committed three murders. And so I'm not sure if he said that before or after, I believe it was before, um, the moment that you mentioned where, where Dr. Martin is like, you know, you can, you can basically, you know, you have permission to, to dwell in me. He, he gives permission to the demon to do that. 
And so, I mean, at this point, he's he's very skeptical, and there's there's no evidence, and we'll you know we'll see as we talk talk about this a little bit more and more that there was eventually evidence for for all three of these that we'll get into and explain. But at this point, I mean, obviously, he's very skeptical. He he doesn't believe what what Edward is saying at all. He doesn't even really believe that the demon even exists. And so again, just whimsically, kind of says, okay, yeah, if if. If that's the case, you can, you know, he said, gives gives the demon permission. So, yeah, up to that point, that's what had happened so far. Yeah, and I think he started off, he said, by the time you leave, you'll commit three murders. I think he started off pretty soon after that with the demon was explaining to Dr. Martin. And when every time I say the demon, I mean he's in the body of Edward, the prisoner, mm-hmm. um, speaking through him. Um, and, and every so often, Edward will kind of like he'll actually regain control over his yep. mind and his body. Yep. And, you know, he, whenever this happens, it's actually kind of heartbreaking. Hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. He's, he's kind of crying and, and just very upset. And Stuttering he's like, and very, very hard to get words out and everything. Yeah. And he, you can tell like he's aware that he's being possessed Yeah, and he can't do anything to stop it. Yeah. Cause, um, I mean, Cause he says things like, you know, he, he, that makes me do something bad and then he leaves me to deal with the consequences or or even there's there's a part later in the movie where um you know he breaks his like i think it was oh. his pinky out of place yeah. and that one whenever i see that in a movie it always makes me flinch but uh just because i'm like man that would not feel good to say the least um and yeah. so then and then he leaves him to kind of deal with the pain of that or when he's he's offered his last meal, for example, the Edwards, you know, like, and this is one of those moments that you mentioned where I just feel awful because it's like he's like he's like giving this like order. It's almost like like a kid like order, you know, like he wants like a cheeseburger and I think like a milkshake and fries and just like this very like basic kind of like, you know, nostalgic type meal, the type of meal that would bring back memories probably to when you were a kid with like your parents or your grandparents or something, you know, like just a burger, some fries and a milkshake. He wanted it like extra thick. And and then the demon comes out because he knows that he wants to torment him in those final as moments. As the prison guard is as walking the prison away. guard is about to walk away, and he's like, "No, actually, I don't want anything." And so th- that was another moment where I was like, "Man, it just it makes me feel awful." And I think we'll start getting into this, but what was really interesting to me and something that I jotted down because I did take some notes watching the movie, obviously, because I knew we wanted to talk about it, was just the the gradual process part of it. And I'm not sure if that's what you want to get into next. But that was that was almost kind of my main takeaway, because I think a lot of times we see something like this and it seems even in a movie, even even as believers, I feel like sometimes it feels a little impractical. And that was what kind of like stuck with me of that, like gradual process. So I'm not sure if you want to start talking about that. I can kind of introduce what I mean by that, unless you wanted to finish up what we were talking about before. Yeah, I'll go ahead and wrap up or I don't want to say wrap up. Just I wanted to talk about the three murders. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. The demon tells Dr. Martin that he's going to commit three murders before he leaves. And he's like, yep. what are you talking about? Right. So the I first reason even said, I, I won't let that happen or something like that. He said that, yeah. that won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and I think the, the way that the demon started trying, like you could tell that James or Dr. Martin, the psychiatrist started to like, hold on a second. Is he actually a demon? Hmm. The reason the the point at which he began to change his mind a little bit is is when the demon began to explain the full story behind Dr. Martin and his mother's death. Yep. Well, he mentioned her name and, and that, that kind of caught Edward's attention for, or uh, uh, Dr. Martin's attention right away when, when the demon said his mother's name. 
Yeah. So the demon started reciting this detailed account of how mm-hmm. Dr. Martin's mother died. Yeah. Uh, in which suicide, the demon basically. was claiming that he basically killed his mother, like pulled the plug too early because he got uh, a life insurance benefit or something like that. Yeah. And this or made Dr. Martin the will. Yeah, yeah. This made him very angry and like he lost, he lost his cool. He lost the professionalism. He like, yeah. When he got the, up, sort of like threw, threw the walkie talkie off the, off the desk and the papers and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you could tell the demon was getting to him. So that was yeah. the first murder. Um, and then, one of the most chilling parts of the movie was when the second murder, um, hmm. he started talking about, and I think they were just, they were had like mid conversation, having this big conversation. And then he was like, that's why you're, that's why you're uh, about to like leave your girlfriend for this other woman. Yep. And right. She's about to have your baby and you're going to have it killed. Hmm. Um, and he, you could tell again, James like perked up he's like, what the heck? Like, yeah, probably got chills down his spine because he was heading out demon, of that at that point. I believe he was on his way out the door. Yeah, and that's and the demon was like, "That's I don't know how exactly how it went, but it was like I think along the lines of like, and that's why in like three minutes twenty six seconds, you're you're hmm. gonna basically kill your baby." Yeah, and you could tell that James like James began like denying like, "Well, well, it's just it's healthcare, it's a woman's decision." Or like, he he was kind of rattling off like the talking points about abortion, Ra- but trying the to demon just yeah. Yeah, the demon just kept hitting him with the facts of like you. You're stupid. You're so <laughs> stupid. You think, you know, all these excuses. You've convinced. He was kind of talking about like humanity. Like you, you humans have convinced yourself that this is okay, and you you're literally sacrificing children on the on the on the altar of Baal. Yep. I think he, he is something that. how he said that. Yeah. To, to to explain to explain what that means is he he equated it to when there would be child sacrifices. In, for example, in like ancient Egypt, ancient Mesopotamia, ancient South America, Latin America, different parts of the world, um, even north parts of North, really throughout the world in, in, the, in the pagan societies where peoples of different a variety of different places and cultures would sacrifice babies to, to false gods. And I think the most chilling part to me and just like kind of realization of of another point that i think we'll get to of of the demon's collective goal was the countdown where he was like five yeah that's what i was saying okay yeah three two one and it was like it was kind of a contrast and it's kind of and by the way he was counting down the demon was verbally counting out loud uh, counting down Mm -hmm. to the moment in which james's child was killed in in the womb exactly abortion was committed and and what I thought in that moment was like that was like a contrast in in the same really in the same way, obviously in the the enemy's way of that's that's what hell does when a soul that hasn't come to Christ dies or you know when 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 something like that happens whereas he even said all hell all hell is rejoicing where when one person comes to Christ all heaven rejoices and so i thought that was that was interesting and kind of spoke to another point of being that you know the goal of, of satan and his demons is to keep as many souls as they can from getting to heaven and obviously our calling and the calling of the angels and and Jesus's mission is to win as many souls as possible to to God and and to heaven. And so I thought that was very a very interesting contrast and kind of kind of showcases that like 
you know, just two sides of the coin of that split when, you know, I think, what was it, a third of the angels or maybe it was even half, you know, went, went along with Lucifer's plot to, to go against God the Father. And, and so I thought that was kind of a very, very interesting takeaway as well was, was that. And again, obviously very, very chilling as well. Yeah. And one thing I want to say too, for people that are listening to this episode of like considering maybe watching this movie, I would, I, first of all, I would recommend it if you're a Christian. Yeah. Um, and even if you're not a Christian, it, you know, the, the chilling aspects of this movie would push one, I think to, to look into their faith more because certainly it's just, it's honestly creepy. It, <laughs> it honestly is just creepy. And there's, there's two moments that were very chilling. The first one, yes, was the countdown. Uh, when my wife and I were watching that movie, it was just like, it was honestly sickening when that happened. Yeah. And that kind of showed you, shows you the grotesque reality of abortion and what it really is. Mm. And, you know, demons celebrating and, you know, death. And it's just, it's just not a good thing. Um, Mm -mm. but then at the end of the movie, I don't want to, I don't want to skip over anything important. So please let me know if you want to touch on anything in between. Right. But toward the end of the movie, um, Basically, <laughs> there's a lot that we're kind of skipping, but um, well, we could jump around a little bit. That's yeah, fine. so I don't want to skip over too much. So the demon had written basically a book. Um, so the entire time that this Edward guy was in prison and the demon was possessing him, the demon through Edward wrote a whole book. Mm-hmm. I think it was either about James's life or, uh, and I think he, he like wrote a kind of like a story about his life and then added to it, like the story about interviewing, um, Edward, whatever his name was. Um, and the demon proposed a deal to James of if you sign off and if you say that I'm sane and kill Edward, because the demon wanted him to to kill Edward so that he can be freed out of his body. Right. When Um, I I believe all, what I kind of thought of too, ultimately is that, Edward wasn't saved. And so I kind of thought of that also as like, you know, let's, let's end his life free, nefarious, nefariamus, the demon, you know, saying kind of, kind of a two, two pronged solution was to free him of the body because he, like he said, his work was done with Edward. And also I imagine to seal a, a lost soul and, and doomed to eternal damnation forever. Yes. Um, and in this process, he offered Dr. Martin, I don't, I forget the exact deal, but basically he said, we'll give you a book. We'll make you famous. I already wrote it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, all you have we'll to do is say world. yes. Yeah. He was, it was, yeah. it was a parallel was, to the promise yeah. made to Jesus by, by the, by Satan when Jesus was in the wilderness. Yeah. And I think James said no to the deal, but it didn't really matter because he already gave the demon permission to embody his body. Yeah. Um, and James also was convicted about, do I say he's insane or do I say he's sane to kill him? Because James saw when the demon would temporarily leave Edward's body, he saw the real Edward and he didn't feel like he deserved death because mm-hmm. he's clearly tormented. This this man, and you know, this movie also makes you, I think it makes you rethink like people that do horrible things, Sure, they're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. But to what degree is are those actions under the influence of demonic influence? And not to, not to that they should be excused, but 
also like Jesus, you know, gives, gives grace to everyone Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's called or that receives it. Right. And, you know, whether that's, we talked before the the podcast a little bit, Peter, about this, but whether that's somebody who's gotten an abortion and they have remorse over that and they went free of that sin and that regret, there's forgiveness in Christ. Amen. But there's also forgiveness as unpopular as it may be for the murderer, for the, the serial killer, even who, who comes to faith and realizes, yeah, you know, that man has grace as well. Yeah. And what I, what I thought of just real quick is like, if you know, when the, the countdown was going on to when they were going to actually use the electric chair, I mean, I was thinking like, cause I, I wasn't sure if they're going to do it or not in the movie, but like, that's, that's a moment. Those final five seconds is all it takes for a soul to, to come to the Lord. And even if they've done terrible things in their life, um, you know, there's still that opportunity for them to come to the Lord. And so, um, that was, that was just something that I was thinking about too. Watching, watching that part of the movie was like that even then is the opportunity to, to come to the Lord, ask for forgiveness and give your soul over to him. Yeah. And one of the, before I forget about it, one of the more sad parts of the movie or compelling parts, um, that makes, should make us realize how important it is to like, take this serious, to take demons serious and the reality serious. Um, there was a, a priest who came in at one point. Yep. And initially, um, I think Dr. Martin was like, okay, you're a demon. Let's see if you're a demon. Let's bring the priest in. So he brought the priest in for the prison. And initially the demon like jumped back and was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to see this guy. Yeah. But the priest sat down in the conversation and the demon realized the priest was like, I guess you could say like a modernized new agey kind of, I don't know, not, not strong in the word of God priests. Yep. Um, I agree. Because he was saying things like, you know, oh, we don't really believe in demon possession. Oh, we don't really believe in casting out of demons. And the demon went from get away from me, get away from me to like, oh, okay. And he started being friendly because there was no threat to the demon. Right. So the priest didn't threaten him. And that was just a striking moment to me because it was like, man, imagine how many times this has actually happened where people are legitimately demon tormented or possessed. And because they're in bad leadership at church or in a church that doesn't even believe in demon possession or tormenting, they can't help their churchgoers. It's just a sad thing. And, and, and that, to me, that just reinforced the title of this episode or the, the theme of this episode, which is like, we need to take this serious. Yeah. You know? Amen. We need to take it serious because there are a lot of people out there that are probably possessed or tormented by demons. And who knows the reasoning behind it? I mean, that's, that's a whole, whole nother thing we can get into here. Peter is like, what are the doorways that we leave open mm-hmm. yep. to spiritual influence? Yep. That's, that's what um, I was going to kind of get to get to next. Maybe so. it, if you wanted to, I don't know where you, where you were going to take it. But to me, the moment that sticks out about that is like the, the very end of the movie. Okay. So did you want to go ahead and take that or yeah, if I mean, not, I can go into maybe what I was thinking with that. Maybe if you want, do you want to explain that before you forget it? Because again, I have I have notes from it. I I kind of honed in on a moment earlier. I don't really remember exactly the moment in the movie where it happened, but again, I, I I'll took let you notes. go ahead. You, you okay. can go ahead with your point first, because I, sure. I, I have to, in order to make my point, I have to explain the end of the movie. Okay, perfect. So there there was a point in the movie, and I think it was kind of when you know Doctor Martin was asking questions about like you know kind of trying to verify basically that demons exist you know doing you know an- asking analytical questions that sort of thing and and one of the things that struck me and I think it's it's a lot more of like a practical way because I know a lot of times a lot sometimes we're we're a little bit hesitant I know I have been to like 
believe like the supernatural side of things. And I, I've warmed up more and more to that because I know that's simply part of it, that there is spiritual warfare and that just because we don't see it visibly doesn't mean it's not happening. But I thought a really interesting point was when he, when the demon described it as like a gradual process, he said something along the lines of little sins pile up, they get bigger and bigger and bigger, they grow in scope and in degree until you lose control completely. And I thought that was interesting. And it's because basically he asked, like, uh, Dr. Dr. Martin asked, you know, can a demon just indwell in somebody immediately? And really the demon even said, like, demon possession isn't really this, like, immediate thing it happens over time. And so I thought that was really interesting and really applicable because we need to be really guarded. I would say even as Christians, I believe that there's demons ultimately, if we are saved, have no power over us. But it is this idea of being very careful with the quote unquote little sins and allowing those to pile up and pile up and pile up because ultimately they really do. The more that you let those sins just keep happening and don't have a spirit of repentance, the more that they build up and that they do build in degree and scope. And so that was what was interesting to me. And he described it as like a five-step process. It starts with temptation. I believe that is something that every single human being on this earth faces on a daily basis temptation of some kind to do something wrong and that's something that we need to fortify our minds with scripture with time with the lord with people around us to fortify our minds and our souls and our spirit put on the armor of god to guard against that temptation the second step was obsession and i think that's when a sin does get it's like temptation is like that area where you fall to a sin once and then you're like you know you're you're convicted of it you're repentant of that sin and you know you you turn away from it and you don't you know consciously let it happen again and and i believe ultimately then it doesn't happen unconsciously either once you really fortify yourself but Mm -hmm. where obsession comes in is where you let a sin start to pile up and pile up whether it's whether it's cussing whether it's sinning you know drinking to a point of drunkenness whether it's having sex or or watching or watching porn online or whatever those different sins might be, when it becomes an obsession then, that's when the devil and and demons, I believe, start to take hold. And they start to then move on. Once obsession happens, the infestation begins. That was the third step. And so it's maybe, it's not like this full like possession of a soul, but it's a little bit like, it's like if you have bugs in like your house and like they start to kind of invade and infest your house a little bit, they're not like filling out the whole thing, but they're there. You can see the effects. You can see things start to maybe fall apart even a little bit, but it's still, it's still not quite all the way there. And then it's possession. That's like when those bugs like basically let that make that house become their own. They take it over so much. Like I think of termites, you know, they get so much into all the walls of your house that at that point it's, you know, barring a miraculous work of, of, just in the case of termites, you know, some sort of exterminator or something like that, or in the case of the spiritual realm, you know, Jesus coming in and, and just completely eliminating all of that. And and sometimes that, that takes time and then subjugation, which I know, I know what that means. I know the basic of it, but I want to make sure I get the word right. So I'm going to look that up real quick. Subjugation, see what it is defined as, but it means just like servitude subject to exactly. The action of bringing someone or something under dominate under domination or control. So that's like the fifth and final step. And when I heard that again with the gradual process and this five step process, I was like, you know, that's how 
people like serial killers or, or, you know, whatever a serial sin is, any sort of sin that you just repeat and repeat and repeat and continue to get further and further from the Lord and closer and closer to the devil, this is what happens. And so we need to guard from, you know, we need to guard against those little sins from piling up. And another thing also is something like that, that he said, like, you know, anxiety or dissociative identity disorder is really just our own, our own fears and disordered thoughts. I thought that was also kind of an interesting takeaway. I don't know if we want to get into that a little bit more, but overall, I I think my main takeaway though, was that gradual process and that, that those five steps. And another thing was that we've been driven to a point in society today, um, and I think this is kind of a rotation throughout history where sin is just you become so desensitized to evil that when you see yeah. it, you, you, you know, you don't react. And when you when you feel it, you, you know, when you do do a sin, you don't feel it when you do. You don't feel any sort of conviction or repentant spirit. And so that was that was my takeaway. And again, I think that was kind of like the mid midway point of the movie, maybe a little bit earlier where Dr. Dr. Martin is asking the questions of like. Okay, prove it. If you're a demon, prove it. And so, um, you know, I thought that was a very, very insightful and just really kind of left me, you know, thinking about after, even after the movie. But especially, I was like, you know, I need to, I need to write this down because I know it's something that we need to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, and first of all, that's a great uh, explanation there of those steps, and I think that's a great picture for all of us to to understand the, the gravity of sin. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that those are paths, those are doorways, right? Those are doorways for demons to gain influence in our lives. Or, or is this the small concessions we make? And, um, it really can happen to anybody. That's the scary part. And I think yep. a part in the movie was, um, something about like, I, I don't know if he said this explicitly, but I think he said something along the lines of the demon said, you know, that they've been watching him from birth basically yes and learning his learning his pitfalls learning his shortcomings where they can tempt him and you know we yeah. got to keep in mind that demons are eternal beings hmm. and demons and angels and god you know they demons and angels have been a lot around since the beginning of mankind yeah and they've been watching mankind and they know you know they know how to tempt them us they know how to uh, lure us away and they know they know what gets us so you know they've been learning they've been watching human behavior and especially sometimes individually mm-hmm. you know um, I, I definitely don't want to claim this but um, it's definitely possible that some of us or you or me or whoever has demons or a, de- a demon who has been observing us for a long time and you know knows how to try to tempt us away from the Lord mm-hmm. um, and that's a very sobering reality yeah um and like you're saying, there's really no way around it. And this, you know, it's a discipline, something that I've been slacking on, honestly, in my personal life. But reading every day and, and setting aside time to read and pray is so important. Amen. Um, I think that's why it seems like it so, sometimes can be so difficult to make it happen is because Satan wants the very last thing he wants is for you to set aside time to be one on one with God. Because um, it never fails. Anytime that I do that, anytime that you know, I have set aside that time. The peace that transcends all understanding comes. You feel one with God. You, you're walking closer with the Lord. Um, and yeah, I just, 
I a hundred percent agree with your point about the small things. Um, they can add up really quickly. And I also want to say too, that like the movie, this movie showed a really compelling case and explained in a unique way, in my opinion, the gospel, because at one point in James's questioning of the, the demon, he kind of said like, tell me why, like, what's, give me the story. Like what, what happened? Like why, you know, your food, your, why are you fighting a losing battle against God? If God is real, like you're, you're stupid. What are you doing? <laughs> and the demon kind of gave a, a short story expose about the creation, the fall, Lucifer, and, and it just in the gospel, honestly, I, it was, it was a really interesting perspective of hearing a demon explain the fall <laughs> and explain, um, really the need for Christ. It really is what it ended up being if you're a Christian. And I think it's an interesting perspective to take in. It kind of reminds me in some ways, I I haven't read it personally. I need to read this still. It's on my reading list, but the screw tape letters by CS Lewis. Hmm. Um, Peter, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's like, I've heard of them. I I have not read them myself, but might be, might be something to make a trip to the library or the bookstore and pick pick that up. I think it's, it's supposed to be hypothetically like a conversation between two demons about Hmm. God. And it just reminded me of that kind of thing of like, this is a demon explaining, you know, God about God and the fall and everything. And I just think it's useful to hear that perspective as a Christian, even not as a Christian, because it makes it more real. And it is, you know, from a demonic perspective, it's God is real. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to touch on anything else, Peter, but this to me, it kind of reminds me of like, I don't understand how people, they see evil. They know evil's real, you know, Anybody who wants to can pick up a, a book by Aleister Crowley and learn how to do a, a satanic ritual <laughs> and put candles in a certain shape and sit in a dark room and summon a demon. Yeah. You can do you can do this, right? Well, that, we that, was, that was one of the areas, too, that the demon said was kind of a way that demons kind of start to get their hold was like, yeah, I think he said something like, oh, a gift, a gift to Edward when he was just just a little kid, like when he was like nine or something was a Ouija board from from somebody. Right. So I was like, yeah, I mean, who would gift a kid a Ouija board? But I know that's not unheard of. Yeah, but the the point being, we know evil exists. Okay. It's not hard to, to have to prove evil. Like you can look around and see evil everywhere and especially spiritual evil. We know spiritual evil exists. Like I said, anybody, if they want to with, with the proper effort, you can do a ritual. You can do these things, summon a demon, you can do witchcraft. Um, and we have proof that spiritual evil is real. So why? So if, if evil is real, if demons are real, then clearly God is real. Mm-hmm. And I just, yep. For those that don't believe in God, I just challenge you, like, take a look around. And honestly, I think this movie is a great testament to the reality of of demons. And, you know, I think some places that I know definitely I did before watching this movie, like, I would probably overlook some things. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I believe in demons, but how much of is it really affecting, for example, a serial killer? No, I think it's a very good chance that something like that is, like, you know, demonically rooted, you know? Yeah. Well, and what, what the demon said too, is we have this picture in Hollywood movies 
of of what demonic possession looks like and and maybe even from reading scriptural accounts we kind of have a picture of what it looks like but i i think and again this this is a creative interpretation this movie itself is not scripture but i really do think it does an excellent job at kind of boiling it down to into a, a way that makes sense and that also just fits in with like reality of of the world which again spiritual warfare is very much a reality of it but this movie i don't think does it too much in a like for the show type way you know i feel like it does it in a very like just i don't know it feels like it breaks it down with simplicity and gives a really good picture of of what that looks like what spiritual warfare and demonic possession looks like yeah and i know um this movie was based on the book nefarious which was written by um steve dace Mm -hmm. which is a very he has a a talk show on blaze tv he's a christian guy I, i trust his theology um so yeah, the movie's not scripture, but I think it's pretty sound scripturally when it comes yep. down to it. I don't I don't think there's nothing really in the movie that I would say is that really based in the Bible? Like hmm. I think a lot of it is. Yeah. Um and a striking moment at the end there, at the very end of the movie, did you catch the very end Peter when it, that Latin phrase was uttered? What many many yeah. tekel tekel what was yeah. the last word? Yeah. A parson. A parson, yeah. So it's from Daniel, Daniel 5:25 hmm. through 28. And this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekela, parson. Ah, this is yeah. the interpretation of each word. <clears throat> mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Hmm. Peres, your kingdom has been divided and given to the, the Medes and the Persians. Um, so it's, it's the hand that wrote on the wall for, yep. was it Belshazzar? Yes, I believe yeah. so. Um, so... I just thought that was interesting too. Um, that little kind of reference there to Daniel. Yeah. And, you know, cause I think, was it, was it Belshazzar that was messing around with, um, witchcraft and all that? I'd have to read up. I, I can look over these, the Daniel th- five. Yeah. I think what happened was Belshazzar was trying to, he was looking for wisdom about running his kingdom and he was trying yeah. to, uh, petition and, and talk to the sorcerers and magicians, enchanters, everybody. astrologers, diviners. Yeah, that's the way. Yeah. That's what's worded in in Daniel five, eleven. Yeah, and then and then, you know, he consulted with Daniel. Daniel gave him good guidance, mm-hmm. um, but then a hand appeared and wrote something on the wall. Nobody could interpret it except Daniel, I think. And correct, that's what it said. You've been weighed in the scales and found wanting. And I think at the end of it, Belshazzar got killed. I think the Lord killed him, um, ended his reign. He was slain, verse verse 30, yeah. Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Yeah, I I think, yeah. It was that very night after the the writing on the wall. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting to end the movie there. Um, But I don't know, this, this episode is actually running a lot, kind of a lot, not a lot, but longer than I thought it would. But I just think, um, you know, I would encourage everybody to go watch Nefarious. I think it's a great yeah. movie. I enjoyed it. It's a little bit on the creepy side. Um, it, it's my called wife a horror. Felt I would like it I was would more call creepy it, than I did, but it was. Yeah. 
it was creepy, but I, I think I always think of horror as like jump scares and there weren't really any, any of those type of things. It was just, it was more dark, I would say. And it's, it's really, it's really the realities. So I would say, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little dark, but it's, it's the truth. So sometimes, sometimes the truth is, is dark and sometimes it's a little bit hard to swallow, but I think it is very important to, to take a look at this. Let's put it this way. After watching this movie at nighttime, it's a movie that makes you grateful for your relationship with God. Yeah. Because after watching this movie, you'll go to bed and be very happy to pray and talk with the Lord. And mm-hmm. it's just this stuff like this, in my opinion, it highlights um, the peace that comes with God. Amen. And it just makes it, it just made me very grateful. Yeah. To know yeah, the Lord too. and to be to be one with him. You know, that's the beauty in it is a light. And I think it just highlights. We just need to pray for others. We need to be truth seekers, truth speakers unabashedly. And, um, yeah, I, I just think, I guess this episode, we more focused on the reality of some of this stuff. And I think, you know, we stuff, we definitely have a whole lot of meat left on the bone for this topic, um, in the future. But yeah, I think this is a good episode to kind of point to point people toward the fact that like, look, Demonic possession is real. Demonic influence is real. Torment is real. And we need to keep a short account with sin so that these things don't take root in our lives. Amen. Um, Amen. We had a couple of scriptures too. Did you want to read one of those? Um, yeah. I also, I also had one that I jotted down last night. I think it was the verse of the day. It's 2 Corinthians three seventeen, which I thought that was kind of a, a good reminder of just the power that the Lord has over this. Um, I want to make sure I have the full passage right. Um, do you remember what the other ones that we said were? Yeah, I have Ephesians six twelve. For yeah. we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, hmm. against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yeah. And then I have Second um, Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so to me, that kind of speaks to like, you know, again, where the spirit of the Lord is, we have freedom from, from the sinful desires that we have in our heart as human beings from the attacks of the enemy. You know, ultimately we are free from all of that because we have the spirit of the Lord dwelling in us. And then the other verse that I had, I think specifically kind of, it had to do with what we talked about with the sacrifices so this is this is from 1 Corinthians 10, 19 through 21. Um, do I mean that then that food sacrifice to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. My takeaway from that, we talked about a little bit before the episode, um, I would say, you know, an, an abortion is equ- equitable to sacrifices that pagan peoples would do where they sacrifice a child on an altar to, to Baal or, or any other number of false gods. Um, and I also think it, it shows, and I mean, this, this might be kind of a rhetorical statement, but it shows that you, you cannot be in league with, with both the devil and with the Lord. There's not, never a place for that. And, you know, obviously there is there is forgiveness if you've messed around with a Ouija board before or 
you know, delved into that area. It's never too late to turn back to the Lord and to, to find forgiveness from that. But it means that that, that part of you has to, to die, to be, to be put to death and, and a new creation to rise up. Yeah. And I, and not to say that like, for example, with abortion, that somebody who gets an abortion is doing it in the, with a heart posture of, let me sacrifice my baby to, of course, to demons. But right. that's the reality of the action is that when we kill an innocent life like that, demons do rejoice. And, yeah. um, it's just, it's just a sad thing. And, it, and like I said, this movie should, does a great job of showcasing really just the, the deception that goes mm-hmm. on today. Um, and I guess you could call like the spirit of the age, right? There's the spirit of deception that our culture is so, they're so brainwashed to think that right is wrong and wrong is right. I mean, we can see it. If you look around right now too, even with the Hamas stuff we have, I mean, I just watched a debate at, um, at Oxford, the Oxford union over there in the UK and where, where Ben Shapiro was fielding questions from a lot of students and a, a large amount of these students were legitimately saying, quote, from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, which means the obliteration of Israel, the complete mm-hmm. wiping off of Israel off the map. Um, Yikes. Supporting of a terrorist group, just right. justifying hmm. terrorists beheading, burning babies. I mean, this is the stuff that we're, we're living through. And our society is so incredibly um, blinded. Yeah. They're blinded morally because ultimately cultural Marxism, which is what's before our eyes right now, is not rooted in any truth. There's no foundational truth behind that worldview. So, for example, with abortion, you can justify it perfectly because you can say, well, there's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as good and evil. I define what's good and evil for myself. I'm allowed to kill my baby. Um, so I, this movie just did a great job of exposing that and, and, and pointing us back to the ultimate truth, which is the word of God. Amen and good and, and light and praise God that we have him to, to, to lean on. Right. Amen. Praise God that we have him to free us and, you know, to kind of wrap everything up around the movie too. When you said we have power, second Corinthians, what three, seven, is that what you read? Three seventeen. Three seventeen. Um, so in that movie, if you recall, when the priest walked in the room, the demon initially was scared and no, 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 I don't want to see you. That's how demons act when a true believer is in the room and when we stand on the word of God and we, and we champion Jesus Christ and his name and his power, demons are scared of us. They flee, they flee his name. And that's the beauty and the power we have in Jesus is that we have, we have the Lord on our side. We have the creator of the universe on our side and we have power over evil through his name. So, Yeah, after 3.17, it says, And we all, this is verse 18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I think good kind of close to, to that for sure. And it's crazy, too, because I feel like we're not even scratching the surface. I feel like <laughs> there's still more that I want to say, but just for time's yeah. sake, I we can't really go much further. And Yeah, I mean, like, talking about the eternal struggle that that nefarious talked on in this movie between like that even long before we were created the human race was created they were you know battling without beginning or end really in in eternity before the world was even created like like he kind of equated it to two different enemy camps and just talking about the the spiritual battle that that goes on in kind of the 
you know, supernatural plane or whatever, whatever the, the word, the word for that would be. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to go in, in on that. I think we definitely <laughs> yeah. could devote a lot, a few, a few episodes to ultimately. Yeah. And, and also there was a little moment, I don't know if you remember this, Peter, but when James was like, when the demon was like, you people are, you human beings right now, you people in this society are so stupid. You're so <laughs> deceived Yeah, that you think, like I, like I was saying earlier, they, he, the demon was saying, you think good is evil and evil is good. Yeah. And James was like, Warped. what do you mean? Like society's so free. Everybody <laughs> can do what they want. They can be who they want to be. And the demon's like, yes, James, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Do what thou wilt, which yep. is a literal, do what thou wilt. Have was, it your way. I mean, well, it's actually the, the slogan behind yeah. the satanic faith that Aleister huh. Crowley championed. Okay. If you look up, do what thou wilt, you'll see Aleister Crowley. Hmm. And, or maybe it was Anton LaVey. Um, but, and Anton LaVey was a huge Satanist as well. But okay. the point being, this idea about love is love, love who you want to love, be who you want to be, you know, transgender, yeah. this and that. Uh, abortion is, is healthcare. Abortion is good. These are the, that, those beliefs are rooted and and really evil. That's what it comes down to. It's casting yourself against God's design. Yeah. It's casting yourself and, and making yourself to be God, defining Amen. what's right and yeah. wrong for yourself. yourself first. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, so there's a whole much more we can go into, but I would recommend everybody go check out the movie. Yeah. Um, even yeah, if you're not Joe a Christian, I, I th- go, go ahead. I say, if you're not a Christian, I think that movie might make you second, second guess hmm. or really double, really rethink where you are spiritually. Yeah. And Joe and I, I think we'll both check out the, the screw tape letters and maybe we'll come back in, you know, it probably would maybe be a, a month or so or a couple months as we kind of go into maybe a couple of other topics here in the next couple of weeks, but maybe something that, that both of us can do a little bit of homework and we'd encourage you listeners as well to maybe read the screw tape letters as well to get a better understanding of this before we maybe dive into this topic again. Yeah. That'd be fun. Maybe have like a two or three episode kind of stint of going through that book. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's an idea for sure. But yep, uh, Peter, do you want to go ahead and uh, pray and wrap us yep. up? Yeah, I got it. Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for what a blessing it is to just have another day of of breathing the air that you provide, of living in, in the creation that you have made, and for just being able to have this time to talk about, you know, a a topic that is kind of sometimes dark and maybe scary to some to think about, but ultimately, Lord, thank you for the assurance that we can have in knowing that your power is so beyond what what power the demons do have, because they do have power, Lord, and we, we need to acknowledge that. Help us to, to acknowledge that and to understand that as we live life and not not flippantly, you know, cast off the idea of demons existing, but that we would be aware of that. I pray, Lord, that you would fortify our minds against those quote-unquote little sins that build and build and build, and that you would give us resistance to temptation, that you would prevent obsession from taking hold, that you would just cast out any, any demons, Lord, that are, you know, maybe not indwelt, but who are fighting to, to try to just pull our souls away from you, Lord. And I know, again, I know that, that as, as believers, we have that confidence in knowing that that can never happen. Once we, once we made that commitment to you, Lord, and we genuinely mean that we are 
forever your prized possession. And so I thank you for that promise, Lord. And I thank you that we don't have to be afraid of the spiritual warfare that goes on. We have to be wary, but again, we do not need to live in fear. And so I thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would just guide guide everybody who, who listened to this episode, guide Joseph and myself in, in knowing how to resist the attacks of the evil one. Mm-hmm. Another great passage, Lord, um, Ephesians 6, the armor of God, so many, so many good things from that. The, 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 um, helmet of salvation, the, the blessed, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet fitted with the gospel. And I know, I think I'm probably missing a couple in there, but sword of the spirit, Lord, the, the power of your word as well. Uh, and so I just, I pray that we would be fitted with, with the armor of God and that we would honor you day in and day out and that we would put you first, not ourselves, but that we would always put you first in everything, everything we say and do and think. It's in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I want to thank you for the power we have over evil and the light you provide, the consistency, the truth, the beauty in that truth, and the saving grace you offer us freely um, at no price other than accepting it. And I just pray that all of our listeners today uh, take away the important message that spiritual warfare is real. Demons are real and they're waiting for us to slip up and they are preying on uh, us to be weak and to not be aggressive and uh, vigilant in our faith. And I pray we all be vigilant, including myself, Lord. I pray you'd encourage us all, give us a renewed spirit, give us a renewed um, desire and eagerness to get in your word every day and pray and spend that time um, to take on that spiritual armor as Peter was, was talking about, Lord. And um, I just want to pray, Lord, the scripture here in Colossians 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, mm-hmm. because of the hope laid upon laid, laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is a bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made it known, made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Lord, I thank you for delivering us from the domain of darkness and giving us the power to be forgiven of sin, um, including even the serial killer, Lord, that comes to to repentance and changes Mm -hmm. his heart and his life. And I just pray if anybody's out there that wants to repent of sin, Lord, and feels guilty or shameful, I pray they be humbled and you prepare their hearts to just repent of that sin and uh, turn from that life of sin and turn toward you, Lord, and really just sacrifice everything and give their life to you, Lord. I, I praise you for people, uh, those who have already done that and pray for anybody listening or anybody that's not listening that is close to that point. I pray that they uh, just turn their life to you, give their mm-hmm. life to you mm-hmm. so that heaven may rejoice, Lord, that Amen. the demons no longer will rejoice. Um, and Lord, I pray that 
you'd narrow Peter and I's focus here at True North at making demons regret Lord even trying with <laughs> whoever whoever we come into contact with, but especially with us. Mm-hmm. I pray that we be champions for your kingdom. Mm-hmm. And Lord, just allow heaven to rejoice with everybody that we bring home to you. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good stuff. It kind of fires me up a little bit. I know it does. I, I was thinking of this a little bit early, early in your prayer. Yeah, these demons working on my downfall, but with the word and the power of the Lord, I stand tall. Amen. <laughs> Heaven said, we're going to answer the call. Yeah, for Jesus' name, we go out and we ball. <laughs> when it comes to souls, we save them all. We save them all to make hey, sure we save that the rhyme we, for forgive, last. we forgive and forget the day that we fall. I can't think of a better way to end it myself. I don't think so. <laughs> no, if but we honestly, ain't starting this... with the rhyme, we got to end with one. Right. <laughs> no, it kind of fires me up, though. I it think, does. You know, just we all need to be really so aware and vigilant. I mean, it fires like okay, it fires me up watching that movie and talking about like the demon rejoicing over the death of that baby. That fires me up because yep. I want the demons to be angry that yep. we are bringing people to, to the Lord. Amen. Okay. They. Yeah. they they gonna pay the price. Period. Yes, sir. They need to pay the price. They're gonna pay the price, and and we will stop at nothing to make that happen. So yeah. we're just got we're God's vessels. Him working through us to stop that. Yeah. And we shared. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, go check it out. Shared the story of my friend Christian coming to the Lord and giving yeah. his life to God, and you know, those types of stories, those things mm-hmm. when that happens. Yep. It's just that's what life's all about. You know. Amen. That's. Um, that's what we all need to be striving to do and praying that we can do is that we can maybe influence somebody even 1% to turn their heart to the Lord and, and to give their life to God. And, and, you know, the reality is like, even with Christian, you know, there's probably, there are demons or a demon who has been watching him or trying to work on him yep. and he chose God. Amen. He found the Lord and changed his eternal destiny. And I just, mm. it fires me up. Yeah. It just fires me up. It kind of invigorates me to go out and, and to be more... Salt and um, light. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope everybody also took that away from this episode today. If you listen to the end of this episode, thank you for listening to episode 10, season two. It was a great episode. Hopefully you enjoyed what Peter and I had to say today. And uh, like and rate the podcast, share it with somebody who needs to hear it so that we can all answer the call. <laughs> when it comes to souls, we save them all. We'll catch yes, everybody sir. next week. Have a good evening.